Lord spoke to me several things, and just personally, and then some direction for the church. And I thought I had uh, one of those words kind of penciled in for today. And when I got on the plane coming home, the Lord began to download and speak to me about uh, the subject matter for today. And I just want to be obedient to the Lord. This, this may be a little different Sunday morning message, so, um, but I feel like it's an on-point and on-time word that God wants us to hear. Um, one of the things that I believe has happened and is happening in our world and even in the church is people are being deceived by the extension of time. The extension of time called grace. We're living in a dispensation of time. And this may be a little more teaching than preaching, so that might be a little different today. But, but I'm just going to go after what I feel like the Lord wants me to address today. And um, if we're not careful, we can... And the Lord addressed this in His Word when He said, uh, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And then he goes on to talk about that uh, time as we know it is not God being slack, sloppy concerning his promises, uh, as some men count slackness. But he is really the, the reason for the, the, the uh, stretching of grace and time is really his long-suffering think about what it would be like if the Lord had come before you gave your heart to God or those that were baptized today and filled with the Holy Ghost and going to be baptized today but time has been extended and we call that time grace but let us not be deceived by that extension of time because for over 2,000 years this dispensation has been an open door to everyone and anyone, amen, to receive salvation and to live under the umbrella of God's grace. And uh, grace is long and grace is available. Aren't you thankful? Grace is wide. Grace is inviting. The grace of God is an open door. But while grace is all of these things, time is short and getting shorter. Amen? I said time is getting shorter. The window is closing. The door is closing on time. Why? Because we were never meant to live forever in time. Time is just a preparation place for eternity. And uh, like the hourglass where most of the sand is drained into the bottom, I don't know if you've ever watched one, but it, it appears that the sand begins to flow with much more speed and velocity. The less sand that's in the top, it's going by rapidly. It's rapidly disappeared. And in this last day, it's important for us to understand that there's not much time left, and, and I just want to 
throw out this caveat today about this word. I believe that this word is not meant to be a word of uh, condemnation or fearful, fearfully given or received. Uh, I believe that this is still the really the, the greatest gift God could give us is grace and an opportunity to still make decisions. Amen? And he loves us enough to, to talk to us today through his word, and it, it will not always be so for grace because grace has a, an end point. Time is short. And... Uh, of the many things God has spoken to me on, a, on the plane and the flight home, God began to download uh, the importance of what he is trying to say to us, the urgency, if I can say it that way, of, of his heartbeat is for uh, the world, yes, but the church also to be well aware of and refocused on the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord is real. The rapture is real. And uh, the third part of that is uh, heaven and hell are real. I said eternity's real. And the rapture is really going to happen. And heaven and hell are real. I, I, I don't know the last time I've heard heaven or hell preached on. But uh, it's important that we do not omit it from uh, what we are involved with because everything revolves around eternity. Happy for you if you've got a great job or a great career and a, an education, a blessed family. Happy for all of that. Thank God and all glory to God. But that's not why we exist. It's not the most important thing that we have to, to raise our hand about. Amen. The most important thing that we could say here today is that I have considered eternity and I've made some choices to make sure that my heart is right when the Lord comes back because he is going to come back. And I realize each one of these topics have both believers and doubters and, and uh, those who embrace the reality of them and those who reason them away. I pray that we are here today to embrace the reality because uh, the ostrich with her head in the sand is not going to work when it comes to eternity and when it comes to uh, the rapture and when it comes to being prepared for eternity because we cannot make excuses at the end. Well, no one ever told me about that or I didn't even consider that. But God says, no, I had it before you every day. And I want to show a short video clip here today to, to just uh, give us a little insight on what we're talking about. So if you could go ahead and play that, it's less than a minute long. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come...
It's good to know that some of you are awake. <laughs> a dramatization, but a reality. One day, some preacher's going to be holding a microphone, some professor will be talking and teaching, and somebody will be at work, and somebody will be shopping, and somebody will be changing their baby's diaper, and life will be going on, but the Lord is going to come back, and the rapture is a real reality of our lives. The problem is, is that we've never experienced it. But Jesus said that as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It had never rained. There was never a drop of rain. But Moses, or excuse me, Noah, believed the word of God and prepared an ark for the saving of his family. And, and the, the sheer size of the ark let us know that uh, it was for more than his family. It was, it was uh, calculated that there was enough space on the ark to house or to uh, hold all the living people on the earth at that time. And so God was making sure that we understood that, yes, there was judgment that came to the earth and there was a finality of that dispensation, but, amen, God made provision for everyone to get on the ark and to escape the flood. The Lord has made provision today for every person to hear the gospel and to hear, amen, what's being said about the coming of the Lord. Amen. I feel like I, uh, I'm not Noah, of course, but I am a voice. And I'm trying to be an obedient voice, amen, that, that uh, you know, even though uh, our society has uh, uh, grown a little bit callous to the fact that uh, the eternity and the rapture and heaven and hell are real places and real events that are coming, amen, I want to encourage us today not to buy into the philosophy and the uh, viewpoint that these things are really more fables than realities, and, and uh, we We've never seen it before, so that must make it uh, uh, unbelievable. Amen. But I'm here to tell you that this word today is a word of truth. Amen. This this word, this scripture testifies of the Lord. Amen. Because he is coming back, and he is coming back soon, sooner than later. Amen. These topics have both believers and doubters, and, and we must believe the Word of God is infallible today because everything I'm saying, amen, is dependent on whether that Word is truth or not. And I'm here to tell you this Word is true. This Word has not one lie in it. This Word cannot be, amen, disproven. This Word has been proven over and over and over, and it will continue to prove true, amen, because God cannot lie. His word is forever settled in heaven. Amen. It is forever settled, not at the courthouse, not on file at the White House, but it is forever settled in the heavenlies. Amen. Because God said, I will not let my word come under any doubt. It's backed by me and me alone. Satan's tactics are not new. Simply undermined what God said. 
It's not a new tactic. And in the garden, he said to, uh, to Eve, hath God said to bring in doubt and confusion. And he has interjected doubt and confusion into our society and into our generation. Amen. We are living in a different world, and I don't want to sound older than I am, but even as a child, amen, I remember days when most people had a fear of God and a recollection of the rapture or believe in eternity but as we have uh, digressed as society and as this teaching and philosophy has been introduced uh, that oh God is not real and God can be questioned and everything about him is under scrutiny and, and questioning amen but I'm here to tell you that God is true no matter what people say let God be true and every man a liar because his word is forever settled and eternity is not a myth the rapture is not a stretch, and heaven and hell are not fictitious places. They want you to believe that heaven and hell only exist in someone's imagination, but they are not real. I've noticed more and more as I am at funerals in different places, and I hear of people speaking of death and, and things like that, that they, they will say, well, uh, at least they're not suffering anymore. And I'm not here to judge anyone. I under, you understand that. I'm not the judge. I'm a mailman today. I'm just giving mail. I'm giving a word that God said give. But I'm not standing in a place of judge. I don't judge anyone. I have no power to put anyone in heaven or hell. Thank God. But. We need to understand that God's word is true. And there are people that believe and have reasoned away that we will live forever somewhere. It's a myth, a mythical thought. Heaven and hell are just figments of our imagination that we've made up to have some sort of hope at the end of life. But really, when you uh, add it all up, we're just going to fall into the ground and be there. That's the end of everything. I've got news for you. That is not the end of something. That's the beginning of something. It's the beginning of eternal life. It's the first day of eternity. It is the last day in time. And it is the first day in eternity. So is the rapture. Amen. The rapture is not just the catching away of the church in the clouds. Yes, that's going to be true. But the rapture for all of us, uh, amen, if we do not see the rapture of the Lord, his second coming in the clouds like he said he would do, then the day that we draw our last breath, that is our rapture. That is the day we leave time. And we enter eternity. Heaven and hell are real places. Amen. And they are real rewards and they are real consequences. I feel the Lord wants me to remind us today that they are all real. 
Every one of us will experience all three of these things in our lifetime at some point. Some may say, what if I die? I won't be raptured. First Thessalonians 4.16 says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The rapture is going to happen for the dead because we're going first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm reading the word of God. This word is true. It's really going to happen. Amen. Just like he said. The many people that have chosen to deny these truths. Amen. Many of them, it's just easier to dismiss it than believe it. Because we don't understand it. We've never experienced it. But it is going to happen. And if I can somehow dismiss eternity, then there's nothing to consider beyond this life. And when I die, it's over. I just cease to exist. But that's just not the case. The Word of God has much to say about eternity and eternal life. Our God is eternal. Amen. Our God is eternal. Praise God. I thank God that he is eternal. Amen. First Timothy, Paul writes one in 117, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Our God is eternal. We serve an eternal God because really we are eternal creatures trapped in time. But when this time is over and we leave this place called time, we will begin to immediately start living eternal eternal life. Amen. With the Lord. We're eternal beings because we're created in his image. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse uh, 7 of chapter 2, And the Lord God formed man in the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I want you to see that all three parts are in this one verse. You and I are body, soul, and spirit. You have a body, you have a spirit, which is breath in your lungs. Uh, amen. When your spirit leaves your body, amen, your body will fall over dead because there's no more spirit in it, no more life. So our body and our spirit are temporary. Your body's going to go back to dust. Your spirit's going to go back to God who gave it. But that soul... When man became a living soul, that part is not temporary. That part is going to live forever somewhere. Amen. Your soul. So when God breathed into man, he took that form that lifeless formed, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Thank God for this body. Thank God for our breath. Thank God for the life he lets us live in time. But I've got news for you. We cannot be preoccupied with this life, amen, to where we get distracted from the life that is to come because it's that soul man, it's that inner man, it's that person you can't see. I'm not preaching to bodies in suits and dresses and clothes here today. I'm preaching to invisible people that are souls trapped in a body. Amen. One day that body
body's going to go away. And one day your breath is going to leave that body. But that soul is going to live forever. And that's who God is after today. God wants somebody's soul to make a decision today. Yeah. Three parts, one person. God's image. Two parts are temporary, one's eternal. This message today is being preached to your soul. Your soul. You're already living eternal life. Amen. Well, no, I've got to die. No, you're eternal right now. When you die, you don't just... I've heard people say, oh, I don't want to die. I'm claustrophobic. I don't want to be put in that box. That's a head scratcher. I don't think you have to worry about claustrophobia. You better be worried about something other than claustrophobia for this dumb body. Amen. There's a soul you need to be making preparations for because that soul is not going to that box. That soul, the Bible says, immediately after death, the judgment, we are going to go where we are supposed to go based on our choices, uh, amen, immediately upon the death of this body. Hello? You came from eternity, and you're going to go back to eternity. Jesus said, you must lose your life to find your life. What was he talking about there? He wasn't talking about you must lose your life to find your life. He says, you've got to lose your temporary life to find your eternal life. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to live to please this flesh I can't live to be consumed with what I've got to take care of tomorrow. You know, it's, it's unfortunate but true, and I just feel like the Lord would say, have me to say this, but some of us have become so preoccupied with this life that we are not even concerned with that life. Some people in church, even in church, were concerned about the job tomorrow and school tomorrow. Well, how's this going to turn out? And I've got so much on my plate, so much on my mind. We come to church, amen, supposed to be focused on eternity and things that, that are going to apply to this soul person. But no, we get so consumed with life and, and things and, and encumbered about. That's why he said, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. We cannot be running this race uh, worried about this life that's why I said don't worry about your clothes don't worry about your food I've got all that covered I feed the birds I clothe the lilies uh, don't worry about what it's going to turn out uh, you don't have to worry about your food tomorrow you don't have to worry about your clothes tomorrow I'm going to put a roof over your head what you really need to be focused on is are you ready for the rapture are you ready if the trumpet sounds It's an unknown day. The Bible says no one knows the day nor the hour, just the Lord. He said, therefore, watch and be ready. Be, be prepared because you know not what hour the Son of Man cometh. And so we, we have to take that to heart and understand that 
Jesus wasn't just filling time and didn't have anything else to say that day. He's saying, hey, watch and be ready. What if Noah would have gotten discouraged about halfway through? Have you ever been to the ark encounter, whatever it's called? It's a massive thing to, to think of him and his sons building that. Even in a hundred years, blows your mind. It's massive. No modern equipment. Thankfully, he didn't stop and get discouraged halfway through or get distracted. Hey, Noah, come on over here. It's never rained. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. Come on over here and get distracted. Hello. The Lord warned us against being distracted. He said, watch and be ready. He told us of five wise and five foolish virgins. What was that story really all about? When you drill it down to the core of that story, he's really talking about being prepared or unprepared. Five had oil, five didn't have oil. Same, they all had lamps, they were all virgins, they were all qualified. But what the problem was is they did not all have oil. They were not ready, and five of them were sleeping, and five of them were alert. It's really about preparation. Amen. Today, there could be people in this house. Uh, you're very alert to your eternal position. Your, your soul man's ready. You keep, it, uh, you keep it disciplined. You keep it ready. You keep it mindful. But some of us are asleep. Amen. Some of us are not mindful of our eternal destiny. Our eternal uh, awareness has uh, become distracted with life. War. We have to war. Fight against complacency. Hello? Complacency. Apathy. Spiritual apathy. Amen. He says he's coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Go ahead. Blink your eye. That quick. That quick. Mid-sentence. Mid-action. Mid-word. Mid-life. Before you can blink one more time, the Lord is going to have come. I don't know about you, but I've got to be ready. If you all were dismissed here today, and I thank you for staying, I would be preaching this same message today to me because I have to be saved. Let me tell you right now, there's no guarantee of people that stand up here or sit there or do anything else. We've all got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We've all got to make our calling and election sure. What does that mean? You better make intentional preparation for that thing called eternity. The rapture, the second coming, is really going to happen. It's the portal into eternity. It's where you're going to cross into eternity and leave time. For those who have prepared and are looking for his return, it's going to be a great day. But for those that are distracted and asleep and let their oil drain out, uh, amen, it's going to be a very... 
This little reenactment thing, I don't believe it's going to be that. I don't believe we're just going to humbly, quietly take knees. I believe that when the, when the rapture happens, if you would see people taken from this uh, assembly today, I pray, that it, I pray that one day, if the Lord would choose to come while I'm preaching, that this mic would hit the floor, amen, and, and we'll be gone. But I'm going to tell you this, if there are any people that don't go, there's not going to be some little polite prayer time that happens around here. There will be people that are desperately crying out in the moment because they're going to realize, uh, I was asleep, uh, I didn't prepare, and there's going to be crying and weeping, and... but it'll be too late. That's why grace has come to the house today to say it's not too late. There's still an opportunity to come and to make things right. Shake ourselves from a slumber. Hey. Got to be ready. He's coming back. I'm going to be responsible for saying something. Isn't it t terrible to think, what about, and the Bible says that we're going to be without excuse because that doesn't even nature itself teach us there's a God and that we have a responsibility to answer to him. So we're not going to have excuse, but, but, but what would be worse, amen, not, uh, not hearing truth or having somebody that knows truth and won't tell it. I'm not going to stand before the Lord and say, well, I, you know, I thought Sunday morning I would just wouldn't. We're used to a little bit different kind of service. And the Lord would say, wait. You see, because in our minds we've got it all calculated. Well, you know, the Lord probably isn't going to come this week, and I probably have next week. Chelsea, I'm proud of you. Holy Ghost proud that you said today. No, I'm getting baptized today. I'm not, gonna, I'm not waiting another week. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Why does he say that? Because you don't have tomorrow. I don't have tomorrow. I've only got today. I got to get it fixed today. I can't put it off till tomorrow. What if tomorrow doesn't come? Oh, I'm healthy. I'm young. I'm in my prime. Yeah. What is the prime? The prime is if you're 90 and you still sit here with the ability to hear truth and you respond to it. Amen. You can be in your 20s and refuse to hear the word of God and say, I'm, I got more time. That is not prime. The Lord is speaking to us today. I just happened to hold the mic, but it's not about me. Amen. I had 10 other things I thought I was going to preach today, but the Lord said, no, amen, I'm coming soon, and I want this addressed. You know why the Lord would do that? Because we don't know anything about our lives. What if there's somebody here today, and this is not a fear tactic, this is reality, because it happens all the time. What if there's somebody here today, and you think, well, I'm just in my prime. I've got all kinds of time. I'll do that some other time when it's convenient. What if we don't know what's down the road this week? 
I believe the Lord let something happen on uh, national television a few weeks ago, amen, uh, in prime time, in a game that everyone was interested in. He let DeMar Hamlin, amen, he didn't cause him to, to keel over, but he allowed it, I believe, to, to happen on prime time with millions of people watching. It wasn't about an injury. It was about, amen, a, a, a pause, Shut down the whole game. Shut down everything. Silence. You could have heard a pin drop. I wasn't there, but you can see the replay of how the things happened. And everyone was on their knees and grown men, tough guys that were just out there beating each other up, were on their knees sobbing like little babies. Why? Because somebody left time and started entering eternity. They may not be able to vocalize it like that, but that's exactly what happened. And God let it happen so that people would have to come to grips with their soul. You know why I know it's about the soul? Because the quarterback said of the Bills, I forget his name, but he said, I had an encounter with God on the field. I am no longer the same. He said, it changed me forever, and I am very God-aware now, and I intend to get closer to God. That's what he said. Why? Because people were faced with the reality of what about your soul? Forget the game. Forget an injury. This is about life and death, eternity, souls. And then that week, there were people, you know, th this, is, this is kind of case in point. We're very good at saying, oh, prayers are with you. Praying, prayers are with you. My prayers are with you. Prayers are with you. And the, the one ESPN guy, he said, listen, he said, I've heard a lot. And somebody sent me this clip. But he said, I've heard a lot of us saying, "Let's uh, prayers are with you, Dan, uh, DeMar. Prayers are with you. Right, let's pray for DeMar. He said, I'm tired of talking about praying. He says, I, I'm going to pray right now. So on national television, a sportscaster bowed his head and prayed an amazing prayer that acknowledged God. He said, God, we acknowledge you as a healer. We believe that you're able to heal. We believe that you're able to recover him, raise him up. I'm telling you, God is using all kinds of mediums to get people's attention that this thing is real and you better be ready. So there's a captive audience that has to come to grips with. Wait a minute. That's a professional athlete. It's not supposed to happen. It's never happened just like that. But it can. Huh. Lord, help us. Brings us to our third part, and I'm mindful because I want to give us a chance to talk to the Lord. When it comes to eternity, there are only two options. There are only two destinies, two destinations. It's still heaven and hell. It's not multiple choice. It's not when I drop into the ground, it's all over. No. 
we will all spend eternity in one of two places. I know this is strong, but it's reality. I'm not making it up. It's all right here. It's not multiple choice. Every person hearing this word today will end up in heaven or hell. You will end up raptured or left. It's not my choice. And get this, it's not even God's choice. Isn't that amazing? God puts your choice where you spend eternity in your hands. He does not predestinate you to be lost or saved. No one in this house is without choice. Everyone in this house has a choice of where you will spend eternity. It comes down to what you choose. He wouldn't be God. His word would not be true if he said, you're lost, you're saved, you're lost, you're saved. He said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. You know, water. He, he, the reason that woman at the well didn't understand what he was saying in John 4 is because she was thinking he was somehow talking about her natural thirst. He said, I've got water that you'll drink and never thirst again. What was he talking about? Not the body, not the spirit, but that eternal part. He said, I've got a drink for you that will satisfy that invisible you, that soul in you that's looking for all of your validation, your happiness in this life, that man, those husbands that you've had that didn't work out, that couldn't please you. Why? Because I've got an eternal part of you that can only be pleased and satisfied by me. If you're in this house today and you're, you're trying everything in this world to get happiness and somehow get some kind of contentment in your life, but you can't seem to ever be happy or content, I'll tell you a secret. Uh, because you're never going to find it in this life. Uh, no, uh, no uh, hobby, no person, no career, no diploma, no anything will ever satisfy that longing in your soul because God created you an eternal being first uh, and only eternal things will satisfy that eternal longing. It's not my choice, thank God. And it's not God's choice. How, how can you say such a thing? I'll tell you why. Because he says, choose you this day. It's our choice. Based on our obedience to his word. He gave Adam and Eve a choice to be hard issues when it comes to being saved or lost, whether we go to heaven or hell. Things that only God himself will be able to search our heart and understand the depths and the hidden places of our heart. That's why David said, cleanse me, O God, from secret faults. I don't know about you, but I pray often, Lord, I need you to search me beyond my ability to check the list because there are things that I'm not sure about me that I don't want to be in my spirit or my life or in my mind or my subconscious that offend you, God. Search me, God. It may be painful, and the Lord has revealed some things before and says, you need to go take care of that. You need to address that situation, and thank God in his grace he did that because Amen. I've still got time to make course corrections. 
heart issues. They will cause people to be saved or lost. I'm addressing these heart issues because God is the only one that can take care of those things or know those things. You really, there's, you know, we, we're good at categorizing people or putting people in uh, social groups. Or, um, but I, I've got news for us today. It's, it's not about talent or no talent. It's not about money or no money. It's not about where you live or don't live. It's not about what you drive or don't drive. When you boil this thing down that we're talking about today, there's two categories. It's saved or lost. I'm either saved or I'm lost. Hard to find anybody that's lost anymore. You know why? Because philosophy has told us there's no heaven or hell. There's no eternity. We just exist and then we drop into a box. But the reality is, is there is a heaven and a hell. There is an eternity. And we're either saved or lost. We're either sheep or goat. We're either wheat or tare. Fruitful or unfruitful, obedient or disobedient. The Lord gave us these categories. He said, there's really only two categories. And it all hinges and, and, and teeters on the fact of our soul and, and our condition of our soul. There are many things that we need to identify. The Word of God is full of them, and I'm, I'm not pretending to give us a list here today because I could never do that. But hell is mentioned 167 times in the Bible. Heaven is mentioned 327 times in the Old Testament, 255 times in the New Testament. And Jesus mentioned heaven and hell as two distinct destinations in Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31, where he's talking about rich man and the Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus. Those two men lived very different lives in earth or in, in time. One was very wealthy. One was very poor. He was sickly. He had sores. He, he sat at the rich man's gate and probably just wanting a little, uh, he was a beggar. He was in this life looked down upon. But, but the Bible, Jesus said, amen, when, when they both died, or we could say it this way, when they both left time and entered eternity, the, the roles flipped. Now the rich man we find as the beggar. And the beggar is now the rich man because he is in Abraham's bosom or in heaven. And so now they're flipped. And, and uh, I'm sure if you could interview them today, amen, both of them would tell you, the rich man would say, hey, I would have given up every single thing, every comfort that I had in time if I could have just somehow made it into heaven. And the beggar would tell you, amen, it was long, it was painful, and I didn't enjoy life in time, but I'm glad I made preparation for my soul because now I'm living in eternity in heaven in the presence of God. I don't even remember my pain. I don't even remember those bad days because now I'm in eternity living the life. Yeah. But Jesus talked about them as distinct places, distinct destinations. 
Heaven is the dwelling place of God. That's why we need to want to go there. He said, I go away, Jesus said, to prepare a place for them that love me. Talking about heaven. He, he describes heaven, walls of jasper, streets of gold, gates of pearl. That's great, but really it's to be in the presence of the one who occupies eternity. And hell was not created for you and I. If people understood, and, and I'm not going to say the phrase, but you're going to know the phrase. People say it so loosely nowadays. Well, just go to... Yeah. You don't understand what you're saying. Go to that place of damnation, eternal separation from God's presence. Go to that place that was not created for you, but it was created for, for Satan and his angels. It was never intended for humanity, but because of disobedience and rebellion and the fall at the garden, in the garden, we all took on sin nature, and every person from that point forward is born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and uh, their sentence is to go where sin must be judged, and that is hell. So what do we do with that sentence? We've got to reverse it. That's why Jesus said you must be born again of water and spirit so I can undo that natural tie to death, hell, and the grave. That's why when Jesus went down into the lower parts of the earth, amen, while he was on the cross and in the tomb, amen, he went down and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He says, you no longer are in charge of people's eternal destiny. Amen. I am taking the keys back to their rightful position, and now I'm going to present them with the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, Direction, a way of escape to get their soul right with me again. Yeah, you must be born of water. Oh, do I? Quit arguing about it. Just do it. It's obey the gospel. You must be born again, or you cannot see, and you cannot enter the kingdom. I didn't say it. Brother Smith didn't say it. No one said it. God said it. The Word says it. Amen. So we need to just simply obey it. There are some things that lead to heaven. Musicians, you can come. Amen. I'm just going to go down through a few things that, that the Bible, uh, that, that, that the Word is clear about, things that lead to heaven. Everyone say, lead to heaven. Amen. There are some heart issues that we, we must rely on the Lord to, to reveal and to help us with a correction. But there are some things that are just plain in the Word of God. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. What is the poor in spirit? Blessed are the humble. That's what that means. The humble. What do you mean? What, what, how do I become humble? Amen. I, I stop being proud. If you want to go to heaven, pride's not going. Pride will not let you get there. Pride will keep you in your seat and say, I'm afraid of all those people. I don't want to get up and make a scene. I don't want them to see me kneeling down or going in that water, coming up all messed up. Let me tell you something. You never come out of that water messed up. Your hair might be messed up, but your soul is right. Hey! 
Your hair may get a little ugly, but your soul looks beautiful because it's been washed in the blood. Amen. It's been cleansed of all the things that have accumulated. Check your pride at the door because the proud are not going to heaven, only the humble. The pure in heart, he said, he goes on to say in verse 8, the pure in heart shall see God. I want to be pure in heart. He said the peacemaking people are the children of God. I'm assuming that the Lord would let us live with him if we're his children. If he's in heaven, that's where I'm going. He said those that are persecuted for righteousness, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who can endure false accusations, great is your reward in heaven. Boy, I sure hope I don't have stuff up there that has got my name on it that I never get to see. I intend to go collect. Go ahead and say what you got to say. I got my mind on eternity. What you say to me in time, it may sting a little bit, but I'm not going to lose track of what's up there waiting on me. There are some rewards in heaven for those that can endure some false accusations, some lies, some evil speaking. I know that... The gospel leads to heaven. They asked Peter, what do we do to be saved? He said, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You must be born again. Acts 2.38, but look at verse 40, which we rarely ever read. He said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. You. And I have to choose to save ourselves. Once initial salvation takes place, we must uh, choose to be in alignment with the Word of God and stay saved. I didn't say we save ourselves as in we can work it out, but we must choose things that accompany salvation. Amen. We must choose not to get offended. We must choose to be a peacemaker. We must choose to walk in humility. We must choose to be pure in heart. Being an overcomer releases a heavenly inheritance. Oh, God, help us. Help us to get this. Your soul has an eternal inheritance. It's yours. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Boy, if you want to make heaven, I've got some great advice. Keep overcoming.